All right, everybody, welcome to the wonderful episode 14 of Community Pulse. Uh, I'm PJ Haggerty at Asplenic on Twitter. I'm Mary Thingval at Mary underscore Grace on Twitter. I'm Jason Hand at Jason Hand on Twitter. And we're here to talk about how to start new communities. Uh, we have two guests, Eamon Leonard and Kimberly Bannerman. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? After you, Kim. It's Kim, not Kimberly. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I'm Kim. Let's see. What else, What about me? <laughs> you totally threw me off calling me Kim, Kimberly. That was um, my goal. I know. Um, so what I always say is I started getting involved in community back in the mid 2000s um, when people were still freaking out about uh, the Y2K bubble and, you know, the crash and everything. But my mom reminds me that, no, you've actually been doing community since you're a little. I used to welcome new neighbors into the neighborhood. We had this whole like little kid posse and we would always want to make them feel like they were welcome. So nice. awesome. I'm going with the mom thing. <laughs> Um, so, uh, oh, I've been, I've been working in tech for about 20 years, um, various agencies and dev shops over the years. And, um, about 10 years ago, I started working for myself as a freelancer and, uh, um, did the, that developed into a small dev shop and then did some product and sold some stuff to a company, um, that PJ used to work for in San Francisco. And that's how we met each other. And um, my role there was uh, community outreach uh, as well as VP of engineering. And um, um, similar to Kim, uh, community is something that has been a part of my life since I was very little. And it is like we talk about tech community, but really it's about people. And um, uh, so, yeah, so my, my job today is I started something new called Cohort. and. We help you find the people you need through the people you already know and trust. So the community aspect of that as well. But it's data driven because you know data is so hot right now. So uh, yeah. Okay. All right. So so you've both been involved in community for a long time, long before the tech community. So I guess the the first thing to me, as far as community goes, is is it's always about membership, and whether you start off by being a member of a community or by starting a community and finding members. Um, and that really deals with people who are thinking the same way you are. So how do you find like-minded people? How do you, I mean, it's, it's not, um, you don't wear, it's not like, I like everybody who wears red shirts. That's can, can I, I, I have something just on that straight away. And this is one of the biggest confusions uh, and misuses of the word community. I, I see out there. Um, community isn't a list of people or isn't a group of people with, um, something in common, like a shared interest. Um, that is just a group of people with a shared interest. Community is when that group of people tries to be something more by working together. And there is a common understanding that you, um, because you're in it together and you're trying to, trying to achieve something more, that everybody has to step up to the plate sooner or later. Um, you have to give before you can take. And healthy communities are ones where more people are giving than taking. So simply having something in common with a group of people isn't a community. That's just a group of people with something in common. That's how I feel anyway. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, <clears throat> I've always told people something similar, that it's, it's a, little, a little bit more than just a bunch of people getting together that have a common interest. They're, it's more of a living, breathing organism that just sort of changes over time. 
and ha has different priorities and how they go about them, but they always, they're just a, a sort of this big internal feedback loop that's always sort of paying attention to what's going on and then changing course um, in some, you know, interesting way. Yeah, that changing course thing is interesting because you take any group of people together. And this, it, this isn't just about communities. This works, you'll see this at play in, in, in companies from like a three-person startup to a 30,000-person corporation where culture is a part of it. And culture is like a key driver of community regardless of the context. Um, and when we talk about communities in, in, in the context of tech, we, we very specifically mean open source communities or communities of people who are trying to develop around something related to open source um, in the context of where corporations intersect with that is like we're trying to sell into those communities that's the message in the back of our minds but we're also you know how can we help you be successful um but um uh when it comes to oh, fuck. this is where i say fuck because i lost my train of thought <laughs> what was the last thing you said jason uh, well, I was just pointing out that it's sort of a living, breathing kind of... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. Okay. So, so culture, right? Culture in communities is a key thing. Culture by its... Culture will happen uh, when a group of people come together. And even if they don't do, no, don't do anything, culture exists. With every person that you add to it, culture becomes more complex. And it's, it's up to the owners or the active participants in that group to um, improve maintain, grow that culture in a positive way if they want to have a positive, healthy, um, functioning community. Um, and it, it, like when you say it's living, breathing, it absolutely is. Every person that comes in, every person that uh, is removed or removes himself, um, they impact negatively or positively, for better or worse, the culture of that community. And so this is one of, this is one of the defining traits of how you know it's a community. Communities are self-policing, and they have to be for a reason, because it's a survival mechanism. Without the self-policing mechanism, it is, it, it, um, um, that's focused on a healthy, positive, uh, contributing culture. Um, I would say communities regardless of the context, are probably doomed to fail. Um, Kim, it's interesting that you, you said earlier on that you, um, when you were a kid, you'd welcome people into the neighborhood. Like right there, that's like one of the most fundamental parts of healthy functioning communities, that you have somebody who steps up and any new member that comes in, they're kind of ushered in and they're kind of introduced around the place and you may not have actually physically been taking them by the hand and introducing them to their neighbors. Because that'd be weird, a kid doing that to like some family that's just moved in from. But it is a nice idea. But it is, but it is, it is, it is, a, it is, a, is it a key ingredient to like a healthy foundation to community that someone will take upon themselves, introduce people around, and um, make them feel at home, make them feel welcome, be make them feel like they're uh, in an inclusive space. Um, so obviously, I've, when sorry, I'm going to jump in there for a second. No, it's good. I'm glad somebody are, didn't write on it. As you guys are just sitting in the back seat, I'm like somebody's got to jump in here. <laughs> <laughs> you were right, PJ. He'll just keep going. I told you. I told you. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so obviously, when it's when it's people moving into a new neighborhood, right? Like there's a there's an entry point. There's an obvious way that like, hey, that's a new a new person, someone who's new to the community, but unfortunately that doesn't always happen that way for us in the tech industry right so, kim how do you suggest we find those like-minded people um if you want to talk tactical and kind of deep divey into each individual group that we manage now um you know it's about finding groups that are similar um i'm a big proponent of don't split the community if there's already a group that 
sort of does what you're aiming to do around an open source project or whatever it is, just look to coordinate with them first before you start something new. That's a big pet peeve of mine. Just put it out there. Um, because we don't all live in giant, you know, tech towns, right? I ran meetups in Atlanta, which is very customer focused. And so I ran them very differently than I ran them in Seattle. Seattle's very tech focused, right? Um, and so I'm trying to get back to what you asked me and now I just lost my train of thought too. <laughs> How to find those like-minded people. Like people. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be other groups. So for me, when I was getting started um, in the, in the Seattle community, I went to a lot of different groups. It wasn't just the groups that I felt like I um, I wanted to start. I went to startup groups. I went to, um, you know, Microsoft groups. I went to cloud groups. I went to open source, you know, tools of JS groups, whatever it was. I was just trying to get to know people in the community. And, um, and then that's really how you get your foundation going. So I got, I got a question. What, what does like-minded people mean in uh, modern, um, in the context of tech communities? Uh, in modern tech communities, what does like-minded people even mean? Because all uh, you can have communities around verticals, around languages, frameworks, stacks, um, where that intersects with business, different activities around business in tech. I mean, they're all intersecting. You're going to have people who are just like Kim Illustrated, part of like one person going to five different things. Yeah. So well, I, what, what does like-minded people even mean in that context these days? I, I feel like, cause as soon as I heard like-minded too, I was like, yeah, that's actually kind of a red flag for communities. We don't want to all be like-minded. Right. We want, we want a lot of diversity and a lot of positions and that kind of thing. I, I feel like maybe um, it's more of a, this concept of a theme around the community and, and how, because to me, a community, um, they're not, they're not very easy to Starts necessarily, they sort of emerge. They're more of a complex, you know, scenario. Um, so, what's the theme under what, you know, what everyone sort of decided we're going to get together and you know do this thing about? Um, so, I think I wonder. I, I heard like-minded too, and it kind of like got me thinking. Maybe that's just not the right well, word. Well, you oh. could extend. You could extend the uh, what's the theme to uh, what? What do people want to achieve? Um, and that 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 doesn't have to be a selfish motivation either. I mean, you can get people saying, "My, you know, I want, I want to go to this meetup, or I want to be part of that community because I will learn something." So that mm -hmm. is a selfish statement, but it's also an opportunity to contribute, um, and 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 that's and that is that is the um, a, a thing that I found myself over the years to have to iterate and reiterate to people is that you can't just turn up and have the handout and never give anything back. And um, at Engine Yard, in, um, where PJ and I work together, we ran eight meetups a month in our Dublin office. And that, that was a real kind of catalyzing moment for the tech community in Dublin. So we, every Tuesday and Thursday, for probably about a year and a half, we gave up space and we bought beer and pizza for everybody. And at that, up until that point, um, the, the, um, the meetup groups, did, there was no dedicated space for people to meet. So it would be at the back room of a pub or it would be, it would be uh, somebody's office. And as a result, um, meetups tended to be ad hoc, but we gave people a dedicated day a month. So the first Tuesday of every month, it's Python. The first Thursday of every month, it's Ruby and so on. And, um, and in doing so, you, you, people would come along and you would see lots of, you would see the same interesting. You'd see a lot of the same people come to every single meetup. Uh, but that I, as, as somebody that kind of got a, an overview of all this, I would absolutely see the same people coming along drinking the beer, drinking the pizza, not really talking to anybody, 
No, hang on. No, you don't drink pizza. You don't drink pizza. I was going to point that out, but <laughs> but but uh, um, well, I mean, a blender. <laughs> uh, beer, beer and pizza in a blender um, with a little umbrella on top. Um, but you would see the same same people coming along and not really contributing. They were participating, but they weren't contributing. Right. And contributing at a minimum level is talk to the person beside you, right. or ask ask meaningful or insightful questions, or um, or give give your your exchange contact details or follow somebody that you can catch up with later. Um, make new friends. Um, a more meaningful kind of contribution is obviously saying, well, you know, I, I, I want to, I have a particular question that I want to tease out, so I'll find the speaker afterwards and, and ask them about that. Um, an even more meaningful contribution is, hey, I have an idea for a talk. Is there an opportunity for me to contribute something here? Even, and you know, here's the, like, if, even if none of that happens, it, asking if there's like some kind of kitty you can contribute $5 to, it as a minimum shows that you are, are thinking about the role that you have to play in that particular slice of the community and that you appreciate not just the organizer's time, you appreciate not just the speaker's time or the sponsor's time, but you appreciate the time, probably most importantly, of every other person that came in to share that space with you. Well, speaking um, of roles, so the, one of the things we thought would be interesting to sort of touch on today is um, we know that, you know, being some sort of level of contribution is sort of required for that, um, for that community to get, you know, get benefit from what it's trying to do. Um, but uh, not everybody has the same skill set. Not everybody has the same free time. Not everybody has the same sort of resources at hand. So how do you, what, what are the things that sort of come into play when you want to decide how can I contribute to this, to this group? So that's a, that's a, a great question. Or a, Builder or what? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't want to. I don't wanna monopolize the the answers on this. I'm sure Kim has just ready to jump in and take over. Um, uh, but I'll give, I'll use the example of a GitHub repo um, for an open source project. It doesn't even have to be a popular one, right? What's the most basic way you could contribute to that open source project? Documentation. Uh huh. There's an even more basic way. Start the repo. There's an even more basic way. Tweet about it. It is. A, what was that? Tweet about it. Let people There's know about it. There's an even more basic way. All right, it's pretty clear we're not going to get the answer right. You say thank you to the creator or the contributors of that project, letting them know that their work is appreciated, the work that they're freely giving. Yeah. Um, that, the time they spend on that open source project that you benefit from, um, you may not profit from it, but you're benefiting it at a minimum that you're learning something by using it. Um, they're, that's time that they're not spending with their family. It's time they're not spending with their loved ones or time they're not spending maybe even on their job or something more important. Um, so, you know, you, you, can't, you can't take and not give. And, and, and you've no idea the impact, a, a simple thank you. If it's a retweet with a thank you, even better, or some other kind of like broader network connected share. But um, you've no idea the impact that just a gesture of thanks can have on somebody who has, freely taken time away from some other part of our life to give to this thing that you're using. Because at the end of the day, there's only so many seconds left in each of our lives. And we all have to do what we, you know, what we can to make those seconds count. And if somebody decides they're going to dedicate some of those seconds to working on a thing that directly helps you in some way, if you don't, if you don't give thanks for that, then, you know, that's going to come back and bite you in the arse. <laughs> 
All right, let's stop talking. Eamon, can you send me a bottle of whatever that is you're drinking? <laughs> this is a 2001 Celtic cask. It is a it is a 12 year old Irish whiskey. It is it's okay. <laughs> awesome. Good stuff. Awesome. So, Kim, what about you? What do you think about what the what the line is between leader and participant and participant and observer and those those differentiations there? So I think in a perfect world, there is no line, right? I think you have organizers and they have formal roles maybe, but beyond that, um, it should be community driven. And I absolutely want people that are going uh, and getting involved in my meetups that I've created over the years to tell me all the time. I don't want to have to send, you know, something out like as an example in Seattle, I would have to send out kind of a questionnaire for people every once in a while because, you know, you try to talk to them and say, hey, what else are we missing? What would you like to see? And they're like, oh, no, I think it's all fine. And it's kind of like, well, you know, you know, we need your suggestions, you know, right. <laughs> um, whereas in Atlanta, you know, people are, you know, not shy about saying, hey, I got a buddy over here that, you know, can actually talk about that. Why don't we have him? And so I felt like the speakers and just the participation was a little higher, um, maybe because Atlanta is such a small community and Seattle does have a lot of tech and people are kind of teched out, right, once they're ready to go home. Um, and it's not that there aren't big groups there. It's just it's a little it was a little tougher to build community there. Um, That's, there's an interesting question around that I, I have for you, Kim, right, is, is that one, one measure that I always thought was an important measure of a successful meetup um, as a, a manifestation of a community was the numbers. Yeah. Um, but really, you know, you're kind of talking about the quality, not the quantity there, right? It's never about the, numbers for me. Yeah. yeah. Not, not necessarily the quality of the attendees, more about like how they can contribute. Yeah. And, and they, and it's like you said, thank the people of the open source project that you benefit from. Same thing with the community because um, we'll get to this a little later and talk a little bit more in detail, but I'm community fatigued right now. Um, so burnout is a real thing. Yeah. I, can I, can I say there's like, I, I definitely experienced that, um, after about five years of doing stuff with the community here in Dublin, um, uh, after I left engineering, I literally just turned everything off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually disappeared for six months and, 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 and here's the impact that had on me. I didn't even socialize over that six months period. I think I went out with some friends maybe four or five times. And Christmas was in the middle of that. And I don't know if you've ever been to Ireland, but Ireland at Christmas time is people lose their minds. Like, <laughs> right? So I didn't even go out over Christmas, but I was, I was so burnt out on, on community stuff um, yeah. that uh, because it's emotional investment. Oh yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. I was about to say that. And what I also look for about the leader participant thing, as long as people are passionate, I want people that are from all, like Jason said, all different walks of life, all different viewpoints, because that's how we grow, right? And, and if we don't have those kind of people and we're just in our own echo chamber, then what are we learning, right? Um, but yeah, we have to be, it has to be a positive environment. Um, I will say to date, knock on wood, I need to find wood. I have not had to kick anyone out of my community. Not yet. Um, we I have had a little bit of like squirmish things ish, but nothing really, really negative. Thank goodness. Can we, do you guys mind if we dig in on that one a little bit? Um, that particular topic about, and I had mentioned it earlier on about communities being kind of self-regulating. Um, let me ask you guys rather than me ranting. Um, 
have you have you encountered in the past people that aren't aren't being um, positive members of a community? And what what if so? What are the things you've seen happen to um, to kind of I don't want to use the word deal with that, but like it's a better way of phrasing it. Just how do you handle it? How do you keep yeah, it healthy? How do you ensure that you, the rest of your people who are participating are equally involved and, and that they're, yeah. and they're well? I think there's a whole spectrum of things here, right? It's from somebody that's coming along and just like clearly it's not just not participating, but actively negatively impacting, <laughs> but not in a necessarily a bad way. It's just like, so that's on one end, but the other end is like all the types of shit that falls under code of conduct, code of conduct at meetups and conferences, right? And then there's right. like like bits in between that like aren't really bad. It's just like they're not they're like kind of flatlining and stuff, you know. It's so almost like not anger inducing, but just kind of disappointing. Yeah. Like really, really, that's. <laughs> so I think one of those is super super easy to address, um, which means I'll address it. Um, <laughs> With, with code of conduct, I think it's incredibly important to have one in place in order to ensure the health of your community. Um, part of that is, is just being straightforward about it, right? This is, this, these are the things that are not acceptable. Um, on the other hand, I, I've come to appreciate the codes of conduct that also include the like, hey, this isn't acceptable, but here's the things we expect of you. And, and to have that, you know, obviously here's, a, here's the things that will get you kicked out immediately. Here's the things that are non-negotiable. But like for those of us who would never even consider doing most of those things, okay, what's, what are the things that I can contribute? What are the expectations? And so re almost rather than a code of conduct, a, a community expectations. Ah, um, I like here's, that. Here's, you know, be welcoming, be friendly. Yeah. If, if you be like him this. exactly <laughs> well and, and most of this stuff is all kind of unspoken anyway this is part of the, the yeah um well the emergent right. behavior of a, of a you know a group it just that this is yeah. we're very empathetic people we we know when something's not right yeah. we, we want to you know make a hard stop okay let's make sure we're all clear on on what we are trying to do here and how we're going to do it and then let's make sure everybody gets heard and then you know, let's right. Get right. So, so that's definitely the emergent behavior. Yeah, that's definitely the emergent behavior of the group. But what if a group has been established already, and you're new to that? So it's going a couple of years, and you weren't there when all these norms were solidified. Mm -hmm. Like there has to be in a, there doesn't have to be, but maybe it's better to have an overt, explicit communication on it at the beginning of every gathering or communication. Or sorry, I think that's. I think that's only a, across you, Jason. Yeah, I, I think that's only a, a part of it, though. I think that. You know, just just coming up every every meetup or every conference and saying, hey, you know, we've got a code of conduct. Just a reminder, take a look at that. I mean, I I've done that a million times, and you know, I've I've posted the code of conduct, I've edited code of conducts, and that's that's great. But at the same time, like a lot of people don't read them, they don't look at them. I think the other thing is is the community, not just the person up on stage being you know the the host or or the organizer or what have you. It's not just a matter of that one person doing it. The community actually has to enforce these things. So if it, whether it's directly where some, you know, not necessarily the organizer, but someone else is just like, listen, that's not cool. They said, we have a code of conduct. We do. I will, I will take you up on this. Let's go talk about this outside. 
or you know them coming to the organizer and saying listen somebody did something off color please deal with this like it, it it has to continue to be that if it's somebody new like it's it's kind of the organizer or the community's job to inform them like listen i know dude said there's a code of conduct i'm sure you know what that means but just so you know like you know we're all kind of cool with this and this but not necessarily this like it's kind of like you know when you were when you were nine or ten and you, you started with your group of middle school or high school friends secondary school friends whatever like there was that like awkward first couple of weeks like where's the line where do i cross it hmm. um oh, no and, and I, I never think, experienced that in secondary school sorry <laughs> i think part of that too you know beyond just the i think beyond just the code of conduct violations it also it plays into the like uh, well, the folks you were talking about earlier, Eamon, that you were seeing a lot of people around the meetup that were there on a regular basis but weren't participating. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. you, you find those people. You keep an eye out for those people, and I think it's our responsibility as leaders or community builders to do that. You see those people, and you go up to them and say, hey, I noticed you're here a lot. Would you like to help us out in this way? Or would you mind doing this thing for us next time? Because sometimes you've got people who will be there, will be participating, interested in it but either don't know how to volunteer or choose not to step up and I think if it's if it's a choice on their part they're choosing to not step up that might change their mind you approaching them might change their mind and if they're too shy to step up then it gives them opportunity for it but either way it points out to them hey people people know that I'm here all the time and they want me to actively be more involved. So I think setting that precedent can help sometimes too. It's this, so this is a really, really good point. And it's so subtle that I think it's easy to miss it. Um, so um, the reasons for somebody to not participate, mm -hmm. let's assume they're genuine. Let's assume it might be related to like anxiety or something personal to them. Maybe it's that they just socially have never been in a situation where they understand intuitively how communities are supposed to work, right? Like, not everybody is has has the benefit of growing up in in a community with strong leadership, where examples are set. Like real world, you know, neighborhood communities where you, it's obvious by observation, and anybody that has kids or interacts with kids knows how how much kids pay attention to stuff, even when they really shouldn't. Um, it's it, not everybody has that opportunity to grow up with strong community leadership around them. And so if not everyone the, has Kim in their neighborhood. Why not? <laughs> and um, we should get you a t-shirt which says, hi, I'm Kim from the neighborhood. Um, <laughs> I actually have a t-shirt that says, leave it better than you found it. Nice. And it's actually a, a national right. parks t-shirt, which but, funny enough, is, now I'm going to wear all the time. But yeah. for me, <laughs> it's Try not to get too but but. United States better than you found it. A message exactly. Race. There you go. So now I'm wearing that shirt every single week now. I'm telling you, um, that's a different subject altogether, though. But it's kind of, yes. it's kind of interesting because it leads into something that we want to talk about. Like, so we're talking. Oh, wait, about I, oh, I just want. I just wanted to finish that last point, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm really conscious of time as well. Uh, so. Um, the point about approaching the person is when you are, when when you approach somebody who you think. Uh, maybe has been taken a little bit and not giving as much. Um, you, you, you also have a point. Or, sorry, you also have a choice. The choice is how, how you react to their kind of inaction. 
and you you could take a hard line or you could take a soft line and the soft line is definitely worth exploring first because like i said maybe it's a case they didn't have weren't exposed to that community leadership and if that is the case then maybe there's an opportunity for mentorship mm -hmm. and some of the best speakers i've i've ever um uh, seen uh, speak uh, <laughs> uh have at that point have started off at that point where they you know started from a point of shyness or anxiety or they just didn't know what to do but with a little bit of coaching a little bit of mentorship step by step they got to a point where four or five years later they were giving keynotes and, and it wasn't a problem for them and so you know you think it, there's, there's a diamond in every world um and and, and go on Sorry. I was going to say beyond just speaking, right? Like there's, you need people to of help course. set up. You need someone to order the pizza every week. You need yeah. people to mm -hmm. keep the website up to date. Mm -hmm. You need other people who can stand there at the door and go, I see that person every week. Let me go say hi to them because I don't know their name, right? Mm -hmm. So exactly. even exactly. for the people who you mentioned speaking and they look like they're about to throw up, which is a lot of people, right? <laughs> you know, there's there's other ways for them to be involved. There's There's a lot of different talents that, that need to be included in order for these things to succeed so. can you guys remember the first talk you ever gave yes yeah what all right just number size what was it 1700 people wow that was oh, our first oh, talk oh. <laughs> i could see why you felt a little bit sick i mean 1700 <laughs> a lot of people just Sorry. here i go and there was more streaming <laughs> online it was ridiculous oh that was, my goodness that is, that, is, that is that is definitely appropriate i didn't sleep the night before so let's just start kim not dipping a toe just dive right in yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that this. was thanks to our fearless leader jesse oh okay yeah yes. that'll make sense now wow yeah how did how did it go kim uh mine was about no wait wait, wait. Kim, how did how did it go oh how did it talk oh, um it went great. Everybody said that I killed it. My mom, I sent it to my parents. You know how your parents are always brutally honest with you sometimes. My mom's like, your voice was quivering, but by the end of it, you were fine. And I could, I don't know what you were talking about because I don't understand technology, <laughs> but, I think you killed, but I think you killed it. Great. That's great. awesome. Well, how about awesome. you, Mary? Uh, mine was probably 250 people. That was your first that's talk. That's still a really yeah. good talk. Jesus, yeah. that's huge. That's still huge. Yeah, yeah. it was, I was terrified. How did that go? Sorry. How did that go? It went okay. Um, I've learned I'm weird when it comes to speaking. Like I'm super nervous beforehand and I'm relatively nervous for the first like 30 seconds that I'm on stage. But once I get into my talk, if I'm actually prepared, huh? if I'm right. actually prepared, the talk goes fairly well. And then I sit down and all of the nerves come back. Mm -hmm. so, like I'm, I'm relatively nervous before, and then afterward is actually far worse for me. So, do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? Yes. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a theory. Because I have kids. I have a blended family of five kids. My kids that are more introverted are actually amazing speakers. Mm. And when in, when it's not interactive, but when it's interactive, the extroverts like that piece because they, they get the energy from the audience or from the people and the extra introverts, as long as they're prepared, they, they, they're fine. Right. So I, I get energy from small groups of people. If I'm talking to a, a handful of people or doing one-on-one -on -one conversations at a booth at a conference or explaining stuff to someone, to someone and walking them through something, like I get a good amount of energy from that mm -hmm. it's when i can't see the people and when i can't connect with them that i struggle yeah so see for me it's, it's more a whole the, other the, episode i'm all about the bigger the better the bigger the crowd 
the, the campy oh, we know, PJ. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff all right so um couple last questions before we start wrapping this up um how how do you decide we've talked about how to start a new community but do things ever evolve out of needing needing that community or how do you is there ever a stopping point with communities i'm there right now with the groups that i have um because it was started as such a niche type of um meetup we have considered uh renaming it or merging with a couple other different meetups mm -hmm. um just because um mostly because i've i've been running a lot of the back end and uh for the ones in Seattle, I don't live in Seattle anymore. I live in LA area. So um, just getting people to help out as far as um, just logistics and things like that. If I'm not able to be there, um, you don't realize how much you're actually doing until you don't live in that city anymore, right? Yeah, once you can't um, physically be there, it becomes yeah. clear. And, and I will tell you this and I will warn everyone, if you're starting a community or if you're volunteering, make sure that I feel like for me, I need to find roles when it comes to organizing. Um, I think it's important because everyone knows what they're responsible for. Otherwise, everyone just looks at each other like five different people and going, okay, well, who's going to do what? Right. Um, so if, is there a stopping point or is there a, or is there a, I'm definitely at a crossroads. So I'm probably going to merge these, these groups with other groups at, at this point. And just because um, it is a niche, it's cloud foundry. And so I think that that lends itself to, it's just one project. It can lend itself to cloud native and a bunch of other different topics that are happening right now that I think would serve it better. Cool. The, way, the way I've always thought about the whole thing is that <clears throat> Much of what we do, much much of like our day-to-day -day business, very much resembles just how we handle our relationships, the relationship job. And while uh, you know the, the community itself can sort of change over time, and there's different technology and different things that people are interested in, and people kind of come and go, um, the people that you've built the strongest relationships, they're going to stick around with you for a long time, in some capacity. You know, you right. maybe change, but it's just like a friend that you you know, you, you met in some snowboarding community and then they, you know, they moved across the country, but you still stay in touch with each other and you, you know, so it's an, it's, a, it's the way that the relationships go. Absolutely. Um, I, I think, I think of this like the same way I think of the life cycle of like a company that goes from being a startup to well, either dying or going through some period of growth. Communities are kind of like that. When it comes to starting a community, I think you have people that are good at starting communities. Um, and they may be good at kind of sustaining a community through a growth phase. So there's no shortage of speakers or there's no shortage of events or there's no shortage of people joining or interactivity and they're there and they're curating things and they're encouraging people, they're defining roles for other people. And, you know, really, there are some people, and then there's like a later stage of the community where it kind of, it's kind of maybe running on its own steam and a couple of other people are coming in and taking over things. And there are people who are present at all kind of three major stages of kind of like um, um, startup to growth to kind of sustainability, um, just like in, a, like in companies. Um, and then there are people who are just suited to just doing one of each, you know, there are, so Mark Zuckerberg, as, as, as a, a startup founder, led Facebook through growth and where it is today. Um, and there are some startup founders that will just like, are great at starting. And then when 
like serious money comes in, they're like, oh, well, I'm not a CEO. I'm going to get in a CEO to do this shit because and I'll become the uh, chief visionary officer or some shit, right? And it's the same thing with, with, with like real world communities or with tech communities where you'll have somebody that wants to start a particular community around a particular vertical or area of interest in their physical geographic location or sometimes it's online. And, um, and they might be just great at starting it up or they might be there for the long haul. And when I think about this stuff, I, I tend to always go back to real world communities and how they work, right? And um, the, the fascinating thing to me as someone who has grown up in a country where people have lived for 10,000 years is that the United States is the last real, um, was the last real blank canvas for, for kind of observing the foundation of human communities. And really that's what we're talking about here today. We say tech communities, but we're talking about human communities with, with you know, a shared passion and level of engagement and contribution around a certain technology. But when you look at the advancement from the East Coast to the West Coast, and it's only like 150, 60 years ago that some communities were still being established on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And we've used this word in this conversation, or this phrase in this conversation this evening, uh, or this morning, um, uh, starting a community, right? How easy is it to start a community today? Well, you know, I'll, I'll just go create a Twitter account and start tweeting from it and get some people to come along and I'll get a, a meeting together and that could be online or offline. I'll get one speaker and if it's, if it's offline, we get somebody to pay, pay for a pizza. Maybe I'll do it. Hey, it's, there's only five people coming to this, so it'll cost me 20 quid, right? So that's how easy it is to start a real world community today. Back in 150, 200 years ago, um, as the migration of, of people and, and communities moved west, what did it mean to start a community in the United States? It physically meant risking life and limb and bringing a whole bunch of people with me or finding people along the way, um, fighting our way through rugged terrain and dysentery. Right there, and then, and then no that should be your next podcast topic. Just, just to get to the place where you think this, this has the just the right combination of environmental things that would potentially sustain a human community, right? So, running water, some kind of shelter from the elements. Uh, raw material, ready supply of raw materials like wood and other bits and pieces. Somewhere so we can trust animals. Walk uphill both ways, and now we have it easy. <laughs> no, my point. My, I don't know. That's mm. I don't think that's. What I, I had no idea. Back in my day, what? So what Shepherds I'm getting to is what, like I'm, what I'm getting to is even back in the day, right? Even when you've all the elements are correct, and this is the place where we still are going to have our community you would still have human problems that are working against you to tear that down. Like, why do you think it was called the wild west, right? Mm -hmm. This is why you have like ind independent, like shooting from the hip lawmakers because uh, human nature at its, at its best is unpredictable. Um, and, and you would think that it's in, in a group of people's best interest in the middle of nowhere to collaborate and cooperate and build a healthy, sustainable scalable community together because it benefits everybody however <laughs> there's always that one element little element that wants to tear it apart so um i think Not everybody is there for the right reasons right and i would even compare that to religion a lot of people that were traveling together they were of the same religion like that was a thing right back then. yeah like right on country right on. Yeah. and or they, they were really there, like as much right and so yeah, i would say like ruby is your religion now python's your religion you know whatever right 
exactly. It, that's, a, that's a really, and it's not just, here's the other thing. I mean, you don't see this too much in tech, but it wasn't just about we're all the same religion. Sometimes it was like, we're bringing religion to the natives, right? The savages, right? I know. Like the savages. <laughs> well, listen, as a, as, I'm not going to go there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can take that part of the conversation offline. Can we, before the show's then, airs, can we let our listeners know where he's from? Yes. <laughs> Yes. He's from Ireland. Yes. See, you know, that, when we used to do it in Hangouts, we could have put the little flag there so everyone would... Listen, all, all I want to say is if you want to understand something about, about struggle, you should look up the history of the Irish people. Um, it, and there's no such thing as the look of the Irish. That's an ironic phrase. As in, <laughs> as in we are the unluckiest fuckers around. <laughs> and on that note, we are, we're running out of time, so we've got to head to our checkout. Um, which is usually a spot where everybody gets a chance to mention a couple things that they are into related to the topic or not related to the topic, whatever you want to talk about. Um, so Kim, let's start with you. Things that you think are pretty cool that you think people should check out. Hmm. Not tech or tech. Either one. Either one. Either <sighs> one. I did, I did um, Fuller House last week. So <laughs> And a couple months ago. He managed to, this is the third episode he's wedged Fuller House. <laughs> That's funny. Look, it delivers every time. So. Well, I'm currently trying to find a community here. I just moved to the Southern California area um, last fall, but we've been in various stages of moving and things like that. So, and then work travel, obviously, was kind of bad. So. That's my goal, and I'll I can report back to y'all and let you know how it's going. But um, just trying to get get to know people here is my main goal lately. Um, working from home doesn't make that any easier, I have to say. <laughs> um, hey, whereabouts in LA are you? So just south of, uh, so you know Disneyland. We had that reference slot yeah, uh, earlier. So just south of Anaheim, yeah. So just in Orange County. It's not uh, LA proper. We're kind of out of beach, which is nice. I, I, I think there's somebody I could introduce you to. Cool. Yeah. After they Yay stop community. the record. Oh. Yay. <laughs> but no, whatever I've been enjoying. Um, so I picked up uh, the book or um, originals, which is about uh, how nonconformists um, change the world kind of thing. Um, it was written by Adam Grant and it sounded interesting and I've, I've flown through half of it already so far. It's a pretty easy read. I think it's pretty interesting. I consider myself a nonconformist, especially with the company that I work for right now. Um, we, uh, you we're can say it. We're going to say what we work for. Yeah. I work for IBM. So, but we're in, in an acquisition side. Um, but just got IBM are being acquired? No, 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 no. We were a small company that was. <laughs> you heard it here obviously. first, folks. I know. Judy Pulse broke the news. I'm going to go ahead and wait on my pink slip. It'll probably get delivered by a courier any minute. No, I'm just kidding. Um, It'll be Telegram. Yeah, so um, that's the book that I'm reading. Right now. <laughs> that's the book I'm reading right now. And then um, Westworld was weird. I'm sure you've all seen it. Um, so, yeah, I'm more into historical type of thing. So I just started watching um, Z, the beginning of everything, which is about Zelda Fitzgerald. It's F, F. Scott Fitzgerald's wife who wrote The Great Gatsby. And so I knew a lot about their history and they hung out with Hemingway and a, a bunch of crazy people from the jazz age. And I love that era. So that's kind of diving into that. But I'm also doing some research on like their lives right now, which is kind of like my own little book report. That's awesome. I'll have to check yeah. that out. Eamon, cool. what do you got besides that bottle of whiskey? That's all I got, man. Um, Besides your bottle of whiskey and puking children. 
Yes. Oh, never those a good two, I gotta say, are not related. They're not related. Yeah, it's like I wasn't feeding whiskey to my kid. Just hey, now we it. know you're in Ireland. Come on. I heard that's, that's come like, on. Oh. Stereotype. Standard <laughs> operating procedure. I'm kidding. <laughs> you core out a potato, you fill it with whiskey. Dude. Anyways. You know, I'm just kidding. It's okay. You're but now I'm hungry. Um... I, I do I don't know like it's um this has been fun I just want to say thank you for asking me on this uh to, to come on and, and and dominate a conversation <laughs> I really tried to myself for the latter half I was like shut the fuck up Amen needs, I think yeah I think Eamon needs his own show they used to have know. one so they did oh. well it was not it was an intern like it five was... people five people and Gene used to look at it that was it Gene loved it that was it. All right, Jason, what's on what's on your mind this week except for Fuller House? Oh, oh can man. I say well, can I say one thing? Sorry, Jason. Just to cut across you for the fourth time. Did, right? we, did we figure out if there's a mute button? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, just say one, I'll just say I'll just say one thing. Um and this actually is pertinent to what what are we into right now? Um for about a year and a half, here's been my morning routine and my evening routine. I will wake up in the morning, first thing, before I, you know, check my kids, um, I will open up some internet-connected device, go onto YouTube, go onto Twitter, and find out what has happened overnight in the US. And the last thing at night, before I go to sleep, is I will catch up on the day to see what has happened in the US. And that has escalated in the last two weeks. Um, and uh, I'm really drained as somebody who doesn't live there. I don't yeah. know what it's like to live there. All I will say is I've probably visited the US about 25 times and um, in the last, probably in the last five years. And um, it, it is a very special place. And I hope it, it stays that way. That's all I'll say. And um, so most of my... Um, efforts right now and my attention has been shifted over to organizing DevOps Days Rockies, which is something I do every year. So that's very much where my head is right now, is just getting that prepared. We've got our venue. This year's gonna be the best ever. Our new venue, we're used to be in a data center, now we're in uh, a gay nightclub. And, Sweet, uh, it's, I gotta go. Awesome. Yeah, it's um, the artwork for our shirts, like all the stuff, it's just all coming together really cool. Tim, they're looking for Ignite speakers actually. Yeah. They that's are? Cool. Sweet. There's another thing I was going to say. We're just looking for, you know, we've had a lot of talks already submitted, but we'd love to hear from more people. So devopsdaysrocks.org is the site. For, nice. uh, so go check that out. And then uh, the other thing, uh, it's a tool that I sort of subscribed to, uh, I guess you'd call it over the weekend, called Videos, V-I-D-D-Y-O-Z-E. Um, and uh, I thought it Basically, I wanted to try to make a little video, intro video for uh, our YouTube version of this show uh, using our logo and just kind of come up with something really fun. And it was uh, super easy and it came out pre looking pretty good. So just a tool that I stumbled upon that uh, I pulled out my wallet for. I thought I'd tell people about. Nice. Cool. And that's it. I'll go next. Um, I've got a couple things. One is actually very related to the show. Um, we just recently started using a company called Libsyn uh, to help us out with 
getting content published. Um, for those of you who've been listening for a while, you know that we had issues with our site a few months back and we've been struggling to get it back up and running and struggling to get the RSS feed for the episodes running again. Um, and I think, fingers crossed, we're finally there. We're waiting on one last confirmation from iTunes, but um, I had a mentor and a good friend of mine, Nathan Harvey, pointed out uh, a site called Libsyn. Um, that basically, you just upload your files there and hit a button, and it goes to all the places, and it's amazing and so easy, and I wish we'd found it a lot sooner. Uh, on the fun side of things, um, I am waiting for a delivery on Monday, but maybe today. Um, from a company called Quarterly, and if you haven't heard of them before, they do uh, boxes of different things. So there's a Maker Box Quarterly that someone curates, um, and it's yes. someone from the Maker community, which we got one of those a few months ago. Um, this time, I'm waiting for a literary box, um, which I'm super excited about, and they basically have authors uh, with a brand new release, and the author annotates in the book. Oh, nice. Right. So you get that plus one of their other books plus uh, uh, another one of their favorite books. Um, so I'm super, super excited to dive into that and have some new books to read in the near future. So. You know what I, I, I wonder is like, who's going to come out with the uh, quarterly for boxes? So you get like a, <laughs> a box of boxes. I would not boxes, be surprised that already existed. You know, that's probably when they designs into the rope. Just like shit, volumes. we got, you know, we got more boxes. Oh goodness, PJ, <laughs> you're up. What about you? My checkout. Um, I had big news uh, that I mentioned to you guys earlier. Uh, I have left the company that I used to be with. Um, that he got out. I, I left IVM and I am now working for a company called logs.io. So it's really cool. It's elk stack as a service and people should check that out. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that on the tech side. Um, as far as the personal side, let me just say PJ, they are lucky to have you. I agree. I'll second that. Yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, yeah, it's really cool. I'm very excited about it. Um, on the non tech side, since it came up, uh, something that I played in the past couple weeks, Oregon Trail, the card game, oh. um, you should all get it. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, we got did it out. You it's, dysentery? I did. And it was, oh, so, I, 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 dude, I laughed for like 10 was, I thought you like, trimmed your beard, but it was dysentery. No, it's the dysentery. It's the, it's the dysentery. I tend to don't, lose. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm looking that up right now, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's not, it's not expensive. I think it was like 15, 20 bucks or something like that. Cool. Uh, my kids were hysterical at the fact that like some of the cards say press space bar. <laughs> like, this is absolutely amazing. It's just like the game. Um, so it's a lot of fun. It's, it's like team family, like group fun. You pay, play with four to six people and it's, you know, it's a good time. So that's, nice. that's my checkout for this week. Cool. And on that note, I think we are Spring done break. with this episode. Although as always, there's plenty more to talk about. So we might have you back another time. But thanks for coming today. We really appreciate you being on the show. Do we have to hang up right now? No, but, but we're going to stop the video, though. All right, okay. Without further <laughs> ado. I just need to keep talking to you guys if that's possible. <laughs> I'm Mary Thingval. I'm at Mary underscore Grace on Twitter. I'm PJ Haggerty at Esplenic on Twitter. Jason is muted. I always do this. I think I'm, I'm being helpful. I'm going to ruin it at the end. Um, and I'm Jason Hand, at Jason Hand on Twitter. All right, Thanks thank so much for joining us today. We'll catch you on the next episode.